Nevertheless, there will be no more, no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled to the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali. In the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle has, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be, co- will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the, Almighty, of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We've called our, our service this evening Looking for Light. Uh, and it's that time of the year again where uh, the days are getting shorter, uh, the nights are longer, and the darkness is closing in. Whenever we're living in the darkness, uh, we're always glad of light. Darkness and light. It's a, an image that the prophet Isaiah used to great effect right throughout his prophecy. But nowhere more than in the, the passage which Joseph read for us a moment ago there in chapter 9 and chapter 8 just before it. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. To really get the impact of it, you, you need to notice what Isaiah said in chapter 8. Towards the end of that chapter, he gives us some very uh, dark imagery. He talks about people who have no light of dawn. Verse 20, distressed and hungry, they'll roam through the land. Verse 22, he says that they'll look forward, toward, they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. One of the things I like about this service so far is that it's shown us, um, maybe through the videos in particular, um, when you imagine the, the circumstances of the, the lady in Syria whose husband had been kidnapped, uh, when you look at the poverty of the people in Nepal, there is darkness in this world, and to, to deny it is, I think, to do ourselves and everyone else a disservice. What does, the wor- what does the Bible mean when it talks about darkness? Uh, when Isaiah talks here about the world being dark, well, usually it means one of two things. So firstly, it can mean that the world's full of evil and suffering. It must have been like that in the time of Isaiah, otherwise he wouldn't have had that image available to him. It was certainly like that at the time of the birth of Jesus. Uh, if we remember the... Uh, the things that were going on around his birth, Herod pursuing him, wanting to kill a baby. 
And it's still like that today. Our world still has violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees fleeing from war, families ripped apart, grief without end. So the world is full of evil and suffering when, when God's word talks about it being a dark place. Uh, I, think, I think we can accept that. Yeah, it is. But there's another aspect of what the Bible has in mind when it speaks about the darkness in a world. It, it means that we're in the dark, that we can't uh, find a, an answer, a way to cure the evil and the suffering that we see all around us. The Bible says that, but actually uh, Western modern individuals don't tend to believe it. We live in a culture that believes it can find its way out of the dark. Uh, and we can do that ourselves. Isaiah talks about this in chapter 8. He talks about people and he says they will be looking towards the earth. Their heads won't be up. Their heads will be down. They'll be looking for the answers to their problems uh, on the earth among themselves. Uh, and many people do that today. So we look to politicians uh, to intellectuals, everybody's looking to technology. We're in the dark, but we'll find a way out of the darkness ourselves, is what we say. One of the most thoughtful world leaders of the 20th century was Vaclav Havel, the first president of the Czech Republic. He didn't believe that we'd find our way out of darkness by ourselves. He once said this, pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself, nor is it democracy alone enough. A turning is needed. A turning to and a seeking after God is needed. The human being constantly forgets, he added, that he is not God. So the world's in darkness, looking to itself for answers and finding none. When that's the case, what a dark darkness this is we find ourselves in. L listen, folks, we didn't bring you here tonight to tell you what you already know, uh, that there's much that's difficult and dark about our world. We came here to invite you to look for light. Listen again to Isaiah. After telling us how dark the world really is. He says, chapter 9, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that the world itself gradually got brighter, that the world lit up. No, a light has dawned on the world. This light comes from the outside. And we remember that at Christmas time. Jesus, the light who came to us from beyond. Let's run with Isaiah just for a few moments this evening. When he says a light has dawned, he, he's using a particular image, isn't he? A, a particular type of light. He's asking us to think about the light of the sun. Think for a moment about sunlight. Sunlight is a, a very wonderful thing, very multifaceted in the ways in which it, it blesses us. Sunlight brings life. 
It brings truth and it brings beauty. Each of those, very quickly, the sun gives us life. If the sun had an off switch and we flicked that switch, you and I would be dead in a matter of moments. Planet Earth would be as inhospitable as those other planets in our solar system. The sun, you see, is the source of all of our light and the source of all of our life. And what Isaiah is saying is that this light that's dawning on the world in the same way is a light that brings life. God is the only one who gives us life. We exist only because he's given us life and because he's upholding us today. The life you're living today, you're borrowing from him. He's given it to you. It's his. So the son gives us life, but the son also shows us the truth. If you drive your car without your headlights on, you'll probably crash. Now, we don't, if you, if you only drive around East Belfast at night, you probably won't because there's so much light, so much in the street lights that we can generally find our way out. Sometimes you can drive half a mile in the city without realizing that you don't have your lights on. But try that in the countryside. Go and drive through the drumlins of County Down and flick your lights off. Uh, by the way, when I say that, this is rhetorical. Please don't do that. Imagine doing that, though. How far would you get? One or two curves, and you'd be off the road. You see, without light, we cannot see where we're going, and there's a reason for that. We need light to show us the truth, to show us what's really there. When you're driving, you need to see where the road really is, not where you wish it was or kind of remember it to be. The Bible tells us that, that God is the source of all truth. So he's the source of all life, but he's the source of all truth. So this light that's coming into the world is going to show us the truth, going to show us how to live. So the sun, what does it do? It brings us life. It brings us truth. But it's beautiful. Sunlight, I, I don't know about you, was it, was it last week? Was there a spell there where it was gray day after day after day? Quite a few of the days it rained. When the sun then comes out into the middle of a, a dark winter, it just lifts the spirits. In places where, uh, you know, if you live in a, a northern uh, country at this time of the year, the days get very, very short, uh, and people in those uh, areas of the world quite often suffer with depression simply from lack of access to sunlight. We all know the feeling, uh, how seeing the sun on a beautiful landscape lights, uh, brings joy to our hearts, or even just after the winter, a spring sunny day, the light on our faces. We need light to know joy. God is the source of this beauty and this joy. So, folks, the world is a dark place, but God says light is dawning on this earth. It's a light that's going to bring you life and truth and beauty.
But how, how's that light going to dawn on this earth? Well, Isaiah tells us, verse 6, he says, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Just look at those titles. They're amazing. If, uh, if you're used to hearing the Handel's Messiah sung at Christmas time, you'll know these phrases or maybe just know them from carol services. They're incredible titles. Uh, what, what child could possibly ever bear that level of expectation? Those are titles you would give only to God. And of course, therein lies the answer. This child that's coming is God coming. The child is Jesus Christ. So we know that the light's coming. We know that it's coming in the person of Jesus. And it leaves only one last question. How do I get it? How do I get out of the darkness to live in the light of this light that's coming into the world? We've seen that it's all about a child that was born. But also in verse 6, we're told that it's a son who is given. The light's been given. It's a gift. You don't buy it. You don't find it for yourself. It's, it's given, and we receive it. What exactly is the gift? Well, God giving the gift of the son isn't the same for, for me or for you as it was for Mary in the Christmas story. She was literally given a son, a baby to bear in her womb, a child to give birth to, a little one to nurture. The gift of God came to her in that very particular way. But how, how is the gift given to us? Isaiah doesn't really tell us. Not there in chapter 9. He does tell us later in his prophecy in uh, chapter 53, maybe in a, in a very wonderful way. We looked at it here last Sunday evening in our normal evening service. He tells us of this, this son that is given, this gift, and he says of him, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds were healed. At this point, I imagine that Isaiah is speaking of something that he doesn't really understand himself. He's talking about a time centuries in the future when Jesus Christ would come, when he'd not only be born and live, but would die. And he would die the death of a sacrifice on a cross, paying the penalty of our sin. God's forgiveness won by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, that's the gift. And the only way to receive this son who is given is to see him as a gift of undeserved grace. Folks, we all know that Christmas is about gifts. But have you ever noticed that some gifts are harder to receive than others? I don't know if you've ever had a gift that actually has been quite hard to receive. If not, maybe join me in imagining it's Christmas morning. 
you've gone to below the tree and you've located a couple of gifts with your name on them. You open the first one. How to lose three stone in a month is the gift that somebody has bought you a dieting book. Then you open the second one, a self-help book entitled How to Overcome Selfishness. And then you look and you hope there aren't any more gifts for you that Christmas. To receive those gifts would be hard, wouldn't it? I'd have to swallow my pride, admit that I have a problem with my weight or with selfishness or whatever. Gifts that would make you swallow your pride. Folks, you will never be offered a gift that will require more of you to swallow your pride than Jesus Christ, God's gift at Christmas time. Christmas is not, in the end, a sentimental season. As Tim Keller puts it, he says, Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the coming and the dying of the Son of God could save us. Folks, the world is dark. But it's not just the world that's dark. I have a good deal of darkness in me. Jesus coming into the world means I need to admit that I'm one of the people walking in darkness. And I need to admit that I can't find my way to the light. I need the light to find its way to me, to dawn on me, to come and to rescue me. That's what we want to do this Christmas season. That's what we want to set in motion this evening with this Advent service at the start of the Christmas season. We want to be a community that's looking for light.